Hello and welcome everybody to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. I'm here with my co-hosts, uh, Glenn and Darcy, uh, and I am Aurelia, the Mindful Investor. And today we will discuss um, one aspect of uh, investing that is crucial, which is finding deals. So, Glenn, would you like to get us started? Sure. So a lot of my deals are really, I'm trying to think of there's more ways, but there's at least three ways that I mainly find my deals. Uh, the first one, uh, would be from wholesalers. I do a lot of my work from wholesalers. The second way would be from um, the banks. So either buying short sales or foreclosures. Those are the three main ways that I buy most most of my properties. And I think I've got a couple off the MLS that I've found. They are still out there. A little bit, a little bit more hunting. And in all honesty, that's part of what we talk about every week. Is like you know trying to work yourself out of the business and you know reassign tasks. And by working with a wholesaler, all honesty, their job, how they get paid is finding deals. So they are going to go and hunt and do all the work for you. Um, and that's, it takes a lot of stuff off my plate. I know how does that work, Glenn, a wholesaler? Because I'm not familiar with it. And some of our listeners won't either. How do they yeah. get paid? And there's their arbitrate these deals for you, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So basically they get leads and they can generate their leads, whatever way they want. Sometimes they do bandit signs, which are like the signs on the side of the road that says we buy ugly houses. Sometimes they do mailers, they'll mail to people. Uh, sometimes they could sit outside of a landlord tribunal, get all the angry landlords coming out and be like, Hey, we'll buy your houses. <laughs> There's like a million ways to try and find these houses. Right? So basically, wow. Yeah, they get them, whatever. They can do pull the lists and look for who's getting divorced this month and email them or mail them and, and try and see if they're one interested in selling their house at a, 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 a fair price. Um, this is so, all news to me. If our listeners can see my face, I'm going, wow, is this for real? It is okay. for real. And, um, and some of it can be considered predatory and some of it is, you know, they're solving problems for people. Mm -hmm. You can look at it both ways because even still, even if you're going after a divorce list, they need to sometimes need to sell their house in a week and they need it to work in cash. And if you're going to put it up on the MLS, uh, people are going to need to close with financing. It just can't close that fast. So they're going yeah. for cash buyers and they are providing a service. Yes, they're going to take a cut. Yes, they're going to offer you a lower price, but it does solve a problem for people who are in that spot that need to sell, right? Okay, so let's say he finds you a $100,000 house, they offer it to you. What do you think they're making on that, on the flip? So they get it under contract with an assignable contract. They get on the phone to you, they find you, you say, yeah, that looks right, it's in my target zone. They bought it at 70 and they're flipping it for 100 or they bought it at 98 and they're flipping it for 101. They can do whatever they like, right? The thing is that when you close this, you're gonna see it on your statement. It's just like, you know, hey, there's a credit for this, a credit for okay. that. There'll be a, there'll be a credit on your closing statement to pay them, right? Okay. So um, I, I often like to see the, that number ahead of time, right? I, I'd like to know what they're getting paid. And sometimes I'm just straight with them off the start. I'm like, uh, you pay, I pay $5,000. Like usually I'm doing cheaper houses, right? I pay mm -hmm. $5,000 for your service. And if it's over 7,000, then I'm just not usually not interested. And a lot of people go, if it's a deal, it's a deal. And, um, mm -hmm. and you see the wholesalers, I made a hundred thousand dollars, basically ripping off an investor is the way I look at it. Like that's mm -hmm. too much of a, uh, a cut to take out of something. Um, but you see it. The only way you don't see it is if they double close. So they close it and then they close and it closes into your name right afterwards. So that you're buying it from them and then there's no, uh, you won't see that 
on, on, on the statement if they double close the property. But yeah. usually they want the easy way and the easy way is just to sign it because then they don't have to come up with deposits and funding for, because a lot yeah. of times they'll still require the funding just for like an hour. Um, yeah, or even to, pay the legal. It's all yeah. your legal and the seller's legal and they just step out and take their check and buy a new pair of shoes. That's the most common way. Yeah. And so anyway, that, that's how wholesaling cool. kind of works. And I, um, I'm not a wholesaler. I don't want to have those difficult conversations with uh, these people. Uh, I, I would prefer, sometimes I will go back to the wholesaler and tell him to renegotiate the deal. We're close and this is what I can do and they'll find stuff. Uh, they, they, they can go back and renegotiate based on what I've found. If I ran a contractor through it, and I'm like, no one's going to buy it for what you're thinking because of this, this is my fair price and you can go. This is, I'd rather negotiate with the wholesaler. Um, it's one thing to take, like I said, take off your plate um, and it's a way to buy properties at a discount. And then I'm in the, the business of evaluating deals rather than trying to find the deals, right? And so I am paying for the service. Like I said, it's often like $5,000 that I'm paying to this wholesaler for the service. Um, so a lot of times I, that's how I get my deals. And a lot of people go, well, I work with all these wholesalers too. And I haven't seen the deals that you have got, Glenn. How are your deals better than the deals I got from wholesalers? And that's an interesting thing. thing. People go, well, I, even if I'm on the same list, I'll contact that exact same wholesaler and, and contact him to get on his list. And do you know how you get the best deals on it? You, you want to be at the top of the list? You tell a wholesaler exactly what you want. Mm, tell them, okay. this is exactly where, this is what I want to pay, this is what percentage of the ARV. You get as specific as you can. And then when they send you deals, you give them feedback about which was which numbers were met and which ones weren't. And if the numbers are met, you buy the property. It sounds really simple, but a lot of people kick it's tires simple. and they yeah, and they yeah. get put on the list. They just and you know what happens? When they send it out to their list, it goes to like say 2,000 people. They send this deal out and then they have to answer 500 emails about this deal to answer from tire kickers who are never going to buy. Yeah. Exactly. And if you can be the person that whenever they send it out, you look at the deal, you provide feedback, and then if it meets your criteria, you just buy it. The next one, they'll send it to you first and go, hey, is this something interesting in you? Especially if you're quick. Be, be quick. And then they, 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 they can just talk to one person. And if it meets their criteria or your criteria, you'll buy it. If not, you give them a quick answer. They can move on and then they can send it to your list. And that's how you move to the top of the list and you get to pick the best Makes sense yeah sure no one you got a no motivated you've got a motivated agent out there working and he knows you're going to buy if he hits the mark targets you're a you're a purchaser yeah i mean that's a that's a sure thing he feeds his family that way yep and it's then a the other circle because uh once you get uh known for closing on deals then more deals come your way mm -hmm. yep. absolutely yep that's good so that, that's how I do with that. And then there's the banks, which we talked about last week with the, what short sales are, what foreclosures are when we're doing defining stuff. But I, I buy from the bank and that, that's just a different thing. But it's right now, that's not really a thing. Like there is very few short sales or foreclosures because there's been a, uh, a memorandum that they weren't allowed to foreclose during COVID, um, which is just opening Good. up now. So they will come, but it also a foreclosure doesn't happen overnight. It takes a while, it has to go through court and, uh, they'll come out in six months or a year from now they'll start they'll start trickling in six months and they'll start firing much heavier after that but because there'll be a whole backlog from and there's lots of people who didn't pay their mortgages during covid um yeah so it'll start trickle and it'll come like a fire hose soon 
but right now it's it's not it doesn't they're really hard if you go search for foreclosures or short sales on the mls you i did i was just doing this with my coaching students the other week and we did a search and we found like one foreclosure in all of i think we were looking orlando there was one wow <laughs> like there was just there's not much and the ones that are there are ones that were started over a year ago and they've been in the process since before covid that is not what the prognosticators and banks and insurance companies were saying they were saying blood in the streets bubble everyone's going to lose their homes it's not the case real estate's going up in value people are improving their homes and they haven't been allowed to do these things, right? No. The government stepped in. No, but by and large, people have improved their homes through this. You can't get paint. My painters are here today working my house. You can't get medium-grade contractor paint. You have to up, up your quality to buy the uh, more expensive paint just to fill your quantities. It's, there's that it. many homes. I'm building uh, stairs, and uh, the price of lumber has gone up. Insane. So high. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Um, I could add to Glenn's uh, deal finding uh, list. Um, I still use realtors, not still. I have right from the start and we have a relationship with lots of realtors. And as Glenn says, the more specific you can get, you know, if they're going to send, send you something. This is a, you know, a condo complex way out here, or this is a new build over there. This is bare land here. I'm not interested. I want to know what bare land work or is worth, but I just flip it into my, um, uh, just file it. Um, but I do, the more specific I am, the better quality of stuff I get and that they know that you're a buyer and they want to know where you're on the cycle. So I did tell, I did tell a couple guys, don't call me till the springtime. Right now we're wrapping up a sale in winter. I have only this much capacity in my brain, but when in the spring we'll have money, we're bringing back, you know, $15 million in new investment capital and we're, we'll be shopping. You want to be on that list and they want to hear those words that you're buying and that you have money. And Darcy, um, to cut you off, you said one yeah. really important thing there is you, you let the realtors or whoever's find your deal finder, you let them know that you were on pause so they don't think that you're just not, you're, you're yeah. not interested in any of this stuff and you're, you're just passing on everything. No, it's, yeah. you're just straight with these people. They yeah. understand what's going on. Absolutely. I, I take calls from them probably six to eight a week I, in my call stream. Like I get maybe 30, used to be more, 20, you now it's now around 25 calls a day and you know, one of them's a realtor, one's an insurance guy. Um, and I take those calls all week. Uh, I let them know where we're at. No, I'm not ready to sell. No, I don't want to sell there. No, I'm not interested in these Kootenays. No, I'm not interested in Calgary. You know, they just want to test and see, but they want to chat and find out where you're at. And those relationships are important. So I, I maintain relationships with lots of realtors. Uh, I subscribe to a, um, some of the large national um, real estate newsletters. So they'll put out what they sold. And I'm interested in those cap rates and sweet prices in all kinds of markets. And, you know, it only takes 10 to 15 minutes to work through that in a week. Um, I do keep a close relationship with our banks. They know me, they know my make payments and they know I'm a good bet. So when they come up with a property that's in distress, I'm a first call. Um, I've got a number of our properties have come from bankers telling us about a, pro- a client that's in trouble. And they'd like to solve a problem and not uh, have a great loss. And they're willing to deal. Or they can put the two of us together, and we've done that. Um, and that's, those are great deals because they never go out to market. You're not competing. Uh, I don't really like competition. I like to win. <laughs> Just tell the truth. I like to win. Um, so that's one way we can inside track on stuff. Um, uh, the other one I've done is a little bit out there, but I've talked to my contractors. Who's late paying? Who looks like they're in trouble? Who's not repairing their building? Who's just telling you, put a Band-Aid on it? Who's in trouble? 
because I'm curious about those buildings, especially in neighborhoods that I'm working in and interested in. I, I've asked those. It hasn't turned into a purchase yet, but we've looked at a lot of buildings that way. But would you uh, want to buy a property that has Band-Aids and there's hidden things? Oh, yeah. As long as you know what they are, though. Well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a value investor. And as someone well, who's underwater... Well, as long as they're not Band-Aids that, that you don't even see them, right? You oh. want to know. <laughs> yeah, here's the myth, though. Yeah. Any building that's for sale has troubles. And everything's hidden. So all the plumbing's old. You know, so you're going to have leaks. And it used to be frustrating. I thought I'd get to some point where everything's just tucked away and it's beautiful. It's like, but it's not. Yeah, there's something leaking every Friday night. You know, there's 500 suites. Something's going to go wrong. So I've just kind of inured myself to it. That's what's going to happen. But I'm, I'm looking for value. And if, if that's where I find it, that's good. Um, often, there's deals right next door. Like if you're standing there thinking and you don't open your eyes and look across the street, the guy across the street just saw your building purchased, saw that his old colleague sold. The new guy is spending money. Fixing up the building is now a competition to him and has better suites, better prices, and a better product. Sometimes those guys fold. Many in my industry are old people and they're, or the heirs of old people that are uh, in failing health. And they look across the street and they see you as younger and vigorous and competition, and they're quite willing to sell. And it just takes going across the street and saying, hi, how are you? Ever think of selling your building? That simple. And we bought some that way. Um, then my final one, is, I would say, just be out there. Although, you know, I don't spread my business around Facebook. Um, people need to know what you do. And if you find an elegant way that matches you to say what you do, um, deals will come to you. A guy phoned me up last week about a deal that we had looked at three times over seven years and have turned it down. And each time the building is settled lower and lower. Now it looks like a value prospect for us. They want 1.3 million less than our first look at it. That looks interesting. This guy found us from this podcast, heard the podcast, has been listening, oh. looked me up because he's in Western Canada and said, Duh, are you interested in this? Yeah, he's not even a realtor. He's just one of our listeners. Um, I think that's fantastic. That makes this whole, in addition to meeting you guys and chatting every week, that one tip could make this whole thing absolutely worthwhile. So whatever your elegant way of expressing yourself and getting out in the market and being you you got to do that and it will draw the right kind of you deals to you. Boy, that's a terrible sentence, isn't it? But you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know? or, or you just need to do like you did too. get on that cover of the magazine. That's, that's... that's it. Yes. Yes. Connoisseur magazine with me smoking a large cigar. No, that was a different <laughs> magazine. No. All right. How do you find deals? Yeah. I like uh, what you said, uh, Darcy, about, uh, you know, thinking outside the box and, uh, Recently, um, so I, I like to, um, so I try to delegate as much as I can. Uh, I still, I still remain involved in the, in the tenant screening, and that's a topic we'll cover soon. Um, especially with checking references, when it comes to the former landlord, I like talking to other landlords in the areas I invest, because yes. that's a way of asking them, uh, have you, are you thinking of selling? Is it okay, you know, now that I have your phone number, if I check in, you know, on a maybe, you know, in a year or two to see, you know, how things stand. And um, yeah, and other, otherwise I use the, the usual channels, which are uh, wholesalers, uh, get on the mailing list of brokers. And I'm quite disciplined. I have um, 
a friend slash mentor, uh, Ash Patel. And uh, he, so because multifamily is so, um, so overheated uh, in the US and uh, in Canada too, um, I, I've started looking at commercial real estate, educating myself and, and looking at more deals. And um, so one interesting tip that Ash gave me is, when you're looking for a commercial property, um, look at the brokerages that are very active, that have a nice website where they organize listings themselves and see if they have a commercial real estate section. Because usually you can find deals there because they may not be specialized in commercial and therefore may be mispricing, misjudging the, the asset. So that's that's uh, one tip that he gave me and I wanted to share with you guys today. And um yeah and uh, yeah so these are the ways i go about it and uh, yeah so i i look for deals daily and uh, and yesterday i was looking on craigslist um among the different websites i i look at and uh, and i came across an interesting deal which is um and it's you know because i learn also as i as i uh, as i look at deals uh because you know people um, adapt differently when when things happen and um, so in this case it was office office buildings um had been repurposed as self-storage and uh Louisville, kentucky so i found that interesting and um they so they were smaller uh self-storage units but uh you know that way they could charge more per per square foot and uh yeah i found that interesting i, I want to go back to your other landlord other landlords that's that's genius because the idea is not a german of an idea until you put plant it you know, a plant a seed. They might not even be thinking of it or think you're interested or growing. They just assume they don't know you well enough. Everybody's got a price. Exactly. Exactly. And if, you know, it might be surprising. They could be kind of stale in their pricing or desperate or have some other need that you're going to solve. Um, and they know best their property, what it's really actually worth. Um, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm. I'm going to use that word for pricing and, you can't um, fall into that. You have to really know what your price is. But the other landlord might actually know what your building is worth, not a someone who's hoping to score off of it. And, you know, you're cutting out some real costs. You're going directly to the person who, if you have a reasonable relationship with them, they're going to tell you exactly what's wrong with the building. Our building in Saskatoon, the owner was an engineer. His wife was a teacher. Um, although there's a realtor involved, he pushed right past that and wanted to talk to us directly. He wanted to ensure that his tenants were well-maintained. Um, that his buildings looked after he had it for 14 years and he put a lot of blood into it he wanted to make sure that we weren't jerks that we're gonna make a mess of it um you know that was a decent relationship he retired bought a sailboat sailed down took it from florida down to some island and then COVID hit and he had to come home so a sailboat has been sitting down there so he hasn't really enjoyed his retirement yet but he cast a check and that was a, a great purchase uh mark was a decent guy and continuously he gives us feedback on the building, drives by and goes, hey, I noticed this. Hey, this, I forgot to tell you about this other thing. That's that's a win. That's a really good purchase. And talking to landlords that way, you have a common ground. You know, it's yeah. landlord to landlord. We're talking about, uh, we're discussing a tenant situation, a tenant, you know, what, what, what do you have to tell me about them? So it's a good, very good introduction to, uh, yep. to the relationship. I would prefer to talk to, you know, like when you're, when you're trying to sit down with anyone, you want to talk to the person you know, who can make the decision. And often I don't want those realtors in the middle. I want to try and find a way. Yeah. So like sometimes if I'm not represented by a realtor, I'll be like, hey, 
you can have both sides. Just let me talk to the seller. I yeah. want to talk to them directly. You're not going to get cut off. I'll send, assign a BRA for this project and I'm going to go talk. I want to talk to them because that's how we're really going to actually figure all these parts out because it's usually more complicated, more pieces, and yeah. maybe I can work in some sort of seller finance thing. Yeah. That's what the, the realtor's like. Oh, we don't want this deferred payment because we, I want to get paid right now. Well, we'll work, we'll work you in. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll take care of you. A fair, a fair deal is fair to everybody. Yeah. You know, this is maybe a little bit off topic, but Ari made me think of this. I've been playing with trying to find some way now that we are allowed to travel COVID for our listeners. It's uh, early July when we're taping this. Now that we're allowed to travel out of our health regions, we've bought three properties in a region or a neighborhood, a micro neighborhood in Edmonton, and it's all rentals. And some are in different states of repair and everything else. And I have this dream or fantasy of getting all the other owners together at like a, a Delphi steak and pizza out, get the back room at a table and then talk about how we're going to change our neighborhood. We have three buildings Ooh. there now. We have 110 out of the 450 units there. So we're a quarter of the market. Um, our rents are all too low. We have common problems with people going through our dumpsters and walking the back alleys and damage and tagging and things like this. If we all kind of worked together and supported each other, we could improve that neighborhood. We could improve the value and the quality of the tenancies. And it only really needs someone to maybe pick up the tab for some deep dish lasagna, some sides of garlic bread. And I, I think it's got to be Manhattan's. <laughs> it's got to be a bourbon-based drink. I'm that guy. I'll sit there and I'll be like the godfather at the end of the table. And this is like a dream. And say, listen, between the 15 of us, we can change this neighborhood. Who's yeah. with me? If we don't break ranks and we improve all of our buildings, we'll all get rich. And the tenants are going to benefit from it. Better quality, better security. Um, it's just a better tenants experience um, working together. We're not competing. We're really not. Everybody needs a place to live. There's a shortage of sweets. I don't know. What do we cost? $1,500? Darcy, before he went into politics. <laughs> uh, no way. I got too thin a skin. I couldn't well, do it. on a podcast with us. Oh, man. I couldn't take the criticism. Can you imagine? You, everything you do is criticized by jackalopes. I couldn't do it. I just, you know, I just lose no, my but head. That's, a, that's, that's, that's very nice. That's the beauty of working in real estate. You know, you make a difference in the, um, Absolutely. In the areas you invest because, you, you, you know, you improve the buildings, particularly yeah. when you do value add. You, you bring life again. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and this, this is, is not, this isn't Darcy's backyard. This is in Edmonton, right? You're in yeah. BC. And I get yeah. the same thing. And you get attached to neighborhoods in Alabama or Indianapolis mm -hmm. or wherever you're investing. And you're like, uh, I had like several people on the, my show and they're just trying to improve a, whole area in some place they've never even been to yeah I, I mean i'm just i'm telling the guys i'm finishing up my second semester on a leadership um a graduate studies in leadership and one of the things we're going to talk about is examining your values and one of my high values is to make a difference you know you might think landlords are jerks and just want to churn money it's not really that i from this company i don't take a wage i don't pay myself what I'm really interested in is, is doing something interesting, doing something that's, um, uh, that changes the neighborhood. My friend Julianne uses this phrase, I'm just taking care of my section of the sidewalk. Once I've taken care of my section of sidewalk, metaphorically and physically, I shovel it, I scrape and salt and sand it, I put a border of flowers on it, and I cut the grass on the boulevard. But once, you know, metaphorically, I take care of my sidewalk, the people that are on my street and in my neighborhood, I want to look at the neighbor's sidewalk and the next one, and the next one, and the next one over. And landlords honestly have the power to change neighborhoods, to revitalize. Um, and it's one of, one of the you know, sustainable businesses. 
that you're actually extending the life of uh, structures and you're sustaining the life of your residents. You're improving their lives so they live longer and better lives. I mean, I used to be a teacher. I used to be a pastor. I feel like I'm doing more good now than when I did those other jobs. And I have high regard for pastors and teachers, but I think what I'm doing now has moral import beyond those other jobs. Yeah, and it's, very, it's also gratifying, I have to say, you know, because we, we took over this uh, mobile home park in Arizona and, and we are re-injecting uh, a lot of capital into it and the tenants are so appreciative mm -hmm. of it. And, uh, and they're really, uh, so, and, they, and we consult with them, you know, we ask them, so what type of improvements would yeah. you like to see? And we do those improvements and, and they're really appreciative and, and, and it makes it for uh, a better place for them to live. And it's yeah. also when you turn areas around, yeah, what a, what a beautiful uh, thing to do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's why I can do this podcast with you guys, because I respect that underlying your business is a moral center that I recognize, I affirm, and I know you're doing good work. That this isn't just about, you know, raping the land, making money at the expense of other people's happiness and survival and moving on and just buying boats. Well, you know, we, we, none we're of us doing have boats. We were doing this like almost as a mastermind for like what a half a year before we even yep. pitched yep. the idea of doing a podcast we were talking yeah. so it was like it was a great way to bounce ideas off each other yeah and test and see whether it's compatible if our ideas are compatible our moral yeah. values align so there's us on a soapbox one of us used to be a pastor so they're used to preaching can i get an amen gentlemen any amens out there no <laughs> and uh, the last tip I'll give for uh, back to our topic um, in terms of um, finding deals, I, I have a friend who uh, invests, he has a specialty, he has a fund and uh, the horizon is five to seven years and it's mobile home parks in Arizona and he has a very specific niche and a very specific type of assets he buys and uh, he knows all the, the owners and he, he stays in touch with them uh, on a regular basis to see you know, if, they, if they're motivated to sell. Hey, why don't you uh, tell the readers about your Facebook um, um, commercial network? Because that's one thing. Find other guys. Deals that don't work for this guy work for you. you know, it's finding your niche. You can give a shout out yeah. to people that are working in your network. Yeah, pitch it, Ari. Yeah, the, so it's called the True Commercial uh, Facebook group, True Commercial. And uh, yeah, so we have a Facebook group and we, we are pretty disciplined. We post um, every day of the week. Uh, there is a welcome post, there is a news article, there is a, a podcast and a YouTube video. Uh, and yeah, and the focus is non-residential commercial. And I sometimes yeah. post there too whenever I interview a commercial guest i'll throw my stuff on there I, I, sometimes i've uh, i posted a couple of these podcasts there but i'm i, I was no never ari should post it it's his, it's his group yeah your group <laughs> i'm posting it on my instagram my 71 followers i'm huge i'm huge in south langley <laughs> okay well, i think uh, that was a well-rounded podcast where we started mm -hmm. talking about uh finding deals and then we had a few nuggets in terms of uh, you know creative ways of finding deals and mm -hmm. then uh, some some um, mobilizing and uh, interesting content about uh, how uh, landlords can make a difference in neighborhoods and uh, have a positive impact on the communities. So thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions you'd like us to cover, feel free to email them at advancedreitalk at gmail.com. That's advancedreitalk at gmail.com. 
please leave us a review and uh, yeah don't hesitate to tune in we love having you and we'll see you all next week nice see you guys see you